We're going to spend some time today in Jonah chapter 2, the book of Jonah. And we've been in a series going through this book of the Bible together for the last several weeks or so. And today we're going to make it to Jonah chapter 2. Amen. We're out of chapter 1. We're making progress. Amen. Today's title is Revival in the Fish. So maybe after today's message, you guys will all go to Sea Island and um, Red Lobster, I don't know, Fred's Fish Fry. Uh, that's, that's all the Barnacle Bills. Um, uh, that's it. That's all the fish places I know. Anyway, Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, we believe that when we come to your word, Lord, that these aren't the words of men, but these are the words of God. And so they have a unique place in our lives. They are uniquely powerful. They are uniquely sharp. Lord, you're able to divide in our hearts the true motivations of our hearts, the true motivations of our lives. Lord, help us to be not only hearers of your word, but let us be doers not just hearing the word of God, but living it out, taking action upon it. That is what you have called us to do. Lord, we can't do it without your help. We can't do it in our own strength. Though we may try, we will always fail in our own strength. And so you have given to us your Holy Spirit, which empowers us to live the life you've called us to live. So it's all about you. It's about the work that you've done for us. It's about the work you're doing in us. It's about your spirit living through us. Lord, help us to learn of you, to draw closer in relationship with you today as we spend time in your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to bring you up to speed and to give you a quick recap of, of where we are so far, in Jonah chapter 1, we've seen a lot of stuff happen. God called a prophet, a man named Jonah. A prophet was someone that was given a message from God to go and to speak to other people. And the message God had given Jonah was that he was to go to a city, a place called Nineveh who was full, this city was full of really bad people, wicked people, evil people. They did some horrible things. And God called Jonah to go and call this city to repentance, that this city would turn away, they would turn back from the direction they were going, and that they would repent of their evil ways and serve and worship the one true God. Well, Jonah, upon receiving this assignment from the Lord, decides for whatever reason that he can't fit it into his calendar, and he heads off in the opposite direction, decides to go on a vacation, a, a cruise, if you will, in the opposite direction. Jonah gets on a ship headed to the ends of the earth as far away from the city of Nineveh that he can go. And God sent a storm upon the sea. And the, 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 the sailors were battling the storm and they were trying to figure out who caused the storm and where did the storm come from. And we saw a couple weeks ago that God was using the storm on the sea 
to draw Jonah back into a relationship with him. That God was using the storm to, to put Jonah back in the place where he could be fruitful in his kingdom. And so finally, through a series of events, the sailors wake Jonah up. He was asleep, taking a nap in the middle of the storm, and they, they give him an interview, and they say, what's going on? And he says, well, here's what happened. I was praying, and God told me to go here, and I went over there, and oh, by the way, this is the God that's the creator over everything, and this storm has come from him, and you're not going to be able to get out of this storm until you throw me overboard. And so they decided that they weren't going to do that. They said, no, we're not going to throw you overboard. If we throw you overboard, you're going to drown. These were good guys. So they tried and they tried and they tried. They tried everything that they could before they threw Jonah overboard. But it didn't work. The storm just got worse and worse and the ship is sinking and they're about to drown. And then finally they decide to do what the man of God told them to do. Finally, they decided to obey God's word. And I don't know why in life we try to do everything that we can before we'll just listen to what God's word says. I don't know why that is. Things get worse and worse and worse, and then finally we say, well, I guess I'll just try this Christianity thing. I'll try this God thing. I, the Bible says to do it, so... I might as well give it a shot. I might as well try it. If only we could, how much heartache and hardship could we save in our lives if we only put God's word into practice the first time we heard it? Amen. And so finally they throw Jonah overboard. And as soon as they did, the storm ceased and they recognized who God was and these sailors who the Bible tells us were serving idols and false gods, they threw all of those away and they made a sacrifice to the Lord right there on that ship and they made a vow to serve the one true God. And so we see that even though Jonah didn't want to go and witness to people who didn't know God, God even used his disobedience to save these sailors. And so they throw Jonah overboard, and he is sinking and sinking beneath the waves. And this is where we pick up the story today. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, some of you will hear this and you'll say, really? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe this story that Jonah was thrown into the sea and that this huge fish came and swallowed him and he hung out with the shrimp and the other fish and the seaweed and the seafood buffet that he was a part of that he hung out there for three days and three nights. Do you really believe that? I, I do. I do believe that. Um, I've, as hard as that is to believe, and I, I've shared this before, but this is not the most unbelievable thing in the Bible. The Bible's full of things that are unusual, out of the ordinary, miraculous. 
In fact, you, you can't even be a Christian unless you believe in the most unusual and miraculous things in the Bible. The virgin got pregnant with God, right? Like, that's way harder to believe to me than a big fish swallowed a guy. A virgin getting pregnant, that's a miracle. I, I could even see and understand how maybe in the natural a big fish could, maybe there's some huge fish down there that we haven't seen, right? So, so to, to, to believe in Christ, God come in the flesh, who lived without sin, who died on the cross to redeem us, who rose again on the third day, who's returning one day to judge the world. Like that's, that's in a whole nother category than just a big fish swallowing a guy. So it's not that hard for me to believe. Also, you, you might be interested to know that Jesus believed in this story. Jesus believed and taught the story of Jonah as a literal true story. And so if it's, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. That's just kind of my way of interpreting the Bible. Anyway, the other thing about this story that's really unique is the emphasis is not on this big fish that swallows the guy. Like, that, that's really, it's so understated. It's just like, yeah, there was a big fish and it swallowed a guy and that just kind of weird stuff happens sometimes when you serve the Lord, you know? <laughs> Unexplainable things, yeah. How many of you have seen some weird stuff serving the Lord? Yeah, it's just... God sort of does things that aren't usual, out of the ordinary. What's interesting to me about this is that the Lord appointed the fish to swallow Jonah, and the fish obeyed God. The prophet doesn't obey God, but the fish obeys God. Sometimes I've, you know, sometimes I think God's up there looking at us like, you guys are dumber than fish. Like, <laughs> I can get the fish to obey me, but my own people. The fish obeys God. The wind and the waves obey God. The man of God still needs a little bit of work. So he spends three days and three nights. In verse, and then it goes into chapter 2. And, and the heading for chapter 2 is Jonah's prayer. And in your Bible, you will see that this text is set apart from the margin in a special way. And this because, that's because this prayer is more like a song. It's, it's poetic. It is like, a, like the Psalms are. This wasn't simply a prayer that Jonah sung. This, this was a song, a prayer that he prayed. This was a, a song that he sung in the fish. And I'm going to read through the prayer, and then we're going to come back and uh, look at it closer together. So chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying... So this is Jonah's prayer in the fish, okay? He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of the grave I cried, 
and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and all your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. This is the pray, prayer that Jonah prays. This is the song that Jonah sings inside the fish. Not once he's out of the fish. This is the song he sings in the fish. Truly revival happening in the fish. But what we've seen so far in Jonah's life is this intense downward spiral of disobedience to God. And you need to know that sin will always bring you down. Six times we've read in the story so far about Jonah going down. He went down to Joppa. He went down to the seaport. He went down into the lowest part of the ship. He laid himself down to sleep. He's been thrown overboard, sinking beneath the water to the depths of the ocean. It says, Jonah says he got all the way down to the bottom of the foundations of the mountains, seaweed wrapped all around his head. And finally, number six, that he was swallowed by a great fish going down deep into its belly. Jonah is going down, 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 down. And at the point where he cannot possibly get any lower, this is where he calls out to God. At, at the point where he, he, it's just the next breath, the next step, the next point is sure and utter death, that is when he calls out to God. And this is what a life of running from God looks like. This is what a life of running from God, this is what it looks like. Going down, sinking deeper, 
becoming more and more enslaved to the things of this world, to the sin of this world. The Bible puts it this way, that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. This is a picture of where all of us were before Jesus saved us. We could do nothing to help ourselves running from God This is what a life of running from God looks like. So the question is, how low do you have to go before you will call out to God? How low do you have to go before you will call out to God? What's it going to take for God to finally get your attention? You would have thought the storm would have woken Jonah up. He could have called out to God then. No. Sinking deep into the water, he could have called out to God. No, he waited till he was all the way at the bottom. Are you going to have to hit rock bottom before you'll call out to God? You might have to. You might be one of, might be one of those special cases, an extra hard head. The only way God's going to get through you is when you crack your head on the bottom. How far will you have to go before God will finally get your attention, before God will get your devotion, your wholehearted devotion. When will you realize, my friend, that you cannot run from God? You cannot run from God. Some of you will be here today and you say, I'm not running from God. I'm here at church every Sunday. I'm not running from God. Let me tell you, every time you disobey God's word, you are running from God, heading into a storm. Every time you disobey God's word, you are running from God, headed into a storm. And so when we read what God's word says about marriage, I'll talk to the husbands here today. How many husbands do we have in here? Oh, man, you guys know I'm about to go after you, so you don't want to. Husbands, when we read about how it's our job, our duty, our calling to be the head of our household, to to take leadership in, in the spiritual matters, that we set the tone for the spiritual life of our family, that it's our job to be leading our family in worship, that it's our job to be leading our family in prayer, that it's our job to be teaching our children the word of God. When we read that and we don't do it, when we read about how it's our job to love and to serve sacrificially for our families, yet we want them to serve us, We are running from God and headed into a storm. I got any wives in here this morning? Let me go after the wife. Amen. Got one wife in here. Okay. (laughs) You know where this is going. When you read that God's word says that it's your job to support your husband and it's your job to submit to his leadership, 
that where he leads, it's your job to, to support and, and, and to work alongside and, and to be a helper in the marriage, and you don't do that. When, when your husband tries to lead and you talk to your children about how your, their dad doesn't know what they're doing, when you cut down your husband in front of other people and you question his authority and you question his legitimacy in front of other people and in front of the children, let me tell you, you're disobeying the word of God. You are running from God and your marriage is heading into a storm. Every time we disobey what God's word says in any area of our lives, we're running from God. In relationships, do I have any single people here today? You guys are way smarter than to admit. That's like a really good option to get noticed by the other single people in church. You know. I brushed my teeth this morning, you know. Came to church, ready to mingle. Um, when you read what God's Word says about relationships, how, how physical and sexual intimacy is reserved only for marriage, that it's not about dating and relating and fornicating, that, that, that really you need to be seeking after God above all else and to keep your body pure as unto the Lord that your body was designed not as a playground for you and others, but for the, his own glory. It's designed for the glory of God. When, when, you, when you run from God's word, you are running from the Lord and you're heading into a storm. What about, here, I'll, I'll hit everybody here. <laughs> Equal opportunity offense for everyone here today. What about your finances? When you read what God's Word says about how we as Christians should manage our money, when it shows us to be generous, to support the local church, to support world missions, to not just spend everything that we have that we should be saving and getting out of debt. When you read what God's Word says about finances and you refuse to put it into practice, you are running from God and headed into a storm. All of these things, all of these areas, what about sharing your faith? We know that we're all called by God to be people who are witnesses for him, witnesses for Christ. Are you sharing your faith? Are you, are you obeying that part of God's word? What about here, I'll get, it, I'll get on your case again. It's not quite enough, I'll make it dead silent in here. What about entertainment? What about the things that you watch? What about the things that you listen to? What about the social media that you consume? Are you being mindful about what God's word says about the things that we should watch and the things that we should listen to? You know those things affect you, right? They, they, they get into your soul. That, that the Bible says that we should be focused on whatever is pure and whatever is holy and whatever is good and whatever is just. And yet we pop on the Netflix or whatever streaming service we're on and we fill our eyes and our souls and our hearts with all manner of filth and garbage. We're running from God. We're heading into a storm. The, the music that we listen to. Are you listening to this music? I, 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 a few months ago, I went up to this uh, place. I won't say where. Um, 
and I was getting something to drink, and the attendant in there was, it was, you ever walk into a place and you feel like you're in a movie or something? Like, like is this real? Am I being punked right now? Like, the guy was so, he was like upset that we walked in. There was nobody else in there. He was sitting down watching TV, and it, the TV he was watching was like the most filthy rap music debauchery I've seen in a long time. And he's just sitting there watching it. And he doesn't turn it off when, when we, he, he starts to make our food. And he just leaves it there playing. And it was, to me, I, like, I don't watch this stuff, right? I'm not, I don't consume this type of media. I couldn't believe the words I was hearing. I mean, they were bad words. <laughs> like really, really bad words. They were the kinds of words that if they ever come out of my children's mouth, a whole bar of soap is like, <laughs> like all the way in and it might come out like, like, whoa. And it was just like, bang, bang, like just repeatedly rapid fire and just the, the acts, the acts of debauchery that was, were being described in this music. I, I, I felt like I needed a, like a confessional or to come and take communion or something to cleanse myself. We were only in there for like five minutes. And I walked out with my friend and I'm like, I cannot believe that people fill themselves with this garbage. Like, I, I, you know, I, I kind of had this revelation that there's a lot of people that we're around all the time that are just filling themselves with this trash. What do you think's going to come out? How do you think this guy's going to treat his if he ever gets one, wife. It's not going to be good. Like, you have to know that the things that we listen to, the things that we see, they go into our soul. They're like seeds planted within our heart. And if we're not careful, if we don't use wisdom and follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit and, and read what God's Word says, man, we can invite all manner of darkness into our life and household, strongholds. Got to get rid of that stuff. That sounds legalistic, preacher. Look, I'm not saying you got to do that to be saved. We're saved by God's grace. You're not saved by throwing out your nasty music. It's God who saves us. But now that I have Jesus living on the inside, does, do I think Jesus wants to listen to that stuff? Hello? You think Jesus wants to watch that stuff? Like, it's, it's about being the people that we've called to be. It's about living as Christ in the world. So let me just encourage you. In love, be careful about what you watch. Be careful about what you listen to. Put your focus on eternal things. 
and you will experience God's goodness and God's favor and God's blessing and God's renewing, transforming power in your mind. Amen. Let's see, I have a message here today that I prepared. Let me get back to that. When we disobey God's word, we're running from God and heading into a storm. How low, how low do we have to go before we will obey God's word? And we encourage you, stop running. Stop playing games with God. Stop kind of being a Christian. Go all in with Jesus. Go all in with serving. Go all in with giving. Go all in with getting into community. Go all in with renewing your mind every day with the Word of God. Go all in with throwing out the trash and letting God fill you with His Spirit. Go all in with this stuff. The worst life you can live is to halfway be a Christian. That's the worst life in planet Earth, to halfway be a Christian. You either need to go all in or just go all into the world. But this halfway Christian thing, no. That's not good for anybody. That's the worst life in the world, to claim to be a Christian and to try and live it in your own strength, to try and do it in your own power. And listen, let me just tell you, going into the world, that's not good either, all right? The only way to live this life is to follow Jesus with everything you've got, with every ounce of energy, with every ounce of your soul. That is the way to live this life. I could get more amens than from three of our elders. Like, <laughs> do the people of God believe that today? So go change your life. Go stop living like everybody else. You're not called to live a, an average life. Well, that's how everybody else does it. Listen, you're not like everybody else. Stop living like everybody else. You're a child of God. His spirit alive on the inside of you. You're called to live at another level, a higher dimension. Amen. Connected to Almighty God, listening to His voice, being an agent of deliverance for other people. That's what you're called to be. That's how you're called to live. Got to flush all this stuff out so that the clear streams of God's spirit can move through your life. All right. Let me see if I brought something else you people will like today. No, that's it. You've only got one life. You've only got one life. You don't get a round two. You don't get a do-over. It's not like Super Mario Brothers. When you fall down to oblivion, you start over. That's not how this works. Listen, use this life that God's given you. Use it to make a difference for eternity. That's the most fulfilling way to live. It's the only way to live. You're not going to find fulfillment in these other little things. You will only find fulfillment in serving God with everything you have and serving others in His name. I want to draw your attention back to Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of the grave I cried, and you heard my voice. 
Do you know where Jonah cried out to the Lord from? The, the first place he cried out from was when he sunk deep. And then after he is swallowed by the fish, he goes on to pray and he goes on to, to, to offer this incredible song of praise and thanksgiving. But I want you to think of Jonah and think of all the wrong decisions that he made. Every time he should have turned to the right, he went to the left. Every time he should have done this, he did the opposite. He went down, 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 down. All of this rebellion, all of this disobedience, yet when he calls to the Lord, the Lord answers him. Think about that for a minute. When he calls to the Lord, the Lord answers him. You may have been running from God. You may have been taking every single wrong direction. But wherever you are, whatever you've done, God is listening. And if you will call out to the Lord, he will answer you. He will save you. In verse 8, it says that God is a God of steadfast love. This word means that God's love doesn't run out. This word means that God loves you when you're being very unlovable. Can I get an amen for that? That it's not that God only loves us when we're being lovable, that even at our worst, God gives us his best. If you will stop and you will cry out to the Lord, and if you will ask him to save you, he is listening. He is faithful. He is a God of steadfast love. He is a God that will show you favor and kindness and loving kindness and grace and a love that doesn't waver and a love that's not based on circumstances and a love that is good and pure and perfect and glorious. A love not like any other love. If we will call out to the Lord like Jonah did, he will save us as verse 9 says, that salvation belongs to the Lord. There's not salvation found in any other place. There's not peace or, or wholeness or healing or forgiveness or redemption or satisfaction in any other place. It's only found in Jesus. Jonah is saved by the fish. That's an interesting savior. God, save me. You got it. Here comes a big fish. <laughs> Not exactly what I had in mind, Lord, to spend three days in the belly of a fish. Yet it's in this fish that Jonah offers this prayer and song of thanksgiving and praise. Jonah praises God. Think about this. Jonah praises God even though He's not at his final destination of safety. He thanks and praises God in the belly of the fish. He's praising God for the deliverance from drowning. And this is a picture and an example for us because we have called out to God and God has saved us. Amen? Dear Christian, you are saved from your sins. Amen? Salvation is ours. Yet... We are not at our final destination. Can I get an amen? There's a place that we're going that's a little bit better than where we're at today. Can I get an amen? 
that we have trouble and we have hardship and we have trials and we have difficulty and we have storms and we have tribulation. We have all of these things in this life. Yet, just like Jonah in the belly of the fish, we can still give God thanksgiving and still give God praise. Amen. That we always have a reason to worship and to praise God that is not based on how I feel. My faith is in God's word. It has nothing to do with how I feel. When I worship God, it has nothing to do with how I feel. When I praise God, it's, if, if it was only based on my feelings, I would probably only praise God 1% of how much I praise God if it was only based on my feelings. Listen, your feelings are stupid. Your emotions are dumb. A mark of maturity is someone who doesn't listen to their feelings. A, a, a mature person, right? We're, I have four kids. They're all very immature. What we're trying to teach them is you don't just give in to everything you feel in life. Have you not learned this yet? Like, your feelings will lead you to do some really bad, stupid, dumb stuff. How many of you have said some dumb stuff based on what you felt? Done some dumb stuff based on what you, your feelings are stupid. The Bible says that we have deceitful desires, that, that our, our desires in our flesh will lead us astray. So I cannot allow my worship of God, my praise of God, to only be based on what I feel. The, the interesting thing is that praise and worship, thanksgiving and praise and worship, these are weapons that we fight our battles with. Spiritual warfare is fought with praise. Last week we looked at uh, Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, right? They're, they're in jail. They're in chains. They've been beaten. And what do they decide to do? Do we, do we need to talk about all of our problems? Do we need to talk about everything that's gone wrong? They say, no, actually, it's the perfect time to have a praise service. So Silas, can you get a little tambourine going with your chains there? Okay, get a little beat going. Let's start quoting the Psalms. Let's start singing the Psalms. Let's start praising God for how awesome he is. Amen. And God brings a deliverance to them. Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's a story of, of one of Israel's armies going to battle. And, and Jehoshaphat, the king, says, we're sending the worship team first. We're not sending the chariots. We're not sending the archers. We're not sending the foot soldiers. No, the, the people who are going first is the choir, the worship team. So they, you know, they put on their robes and they hang, hang, head out there and they, they're praising God. The enemies are confused and they start fighting each other. They all destroy each other. They don't even have to fight because God fights their battles for them. Praise the Lord. Listen, you, you know what you need to do? Let me just tell you what you need to do. You need to stop fighting your battles. You need to stop fighting for your rights. You need to stop fighting for 
They, they did this injustice to me, and they deserve to pay, and, and I'm going to make sure that, that I'm going to hold them in jail and in prison until they get what's coming to them. Listen, if you do that, you're the one that's in prison. But if you will instead say, I'm just going to praise God, he will fight your battles for you. Stop fighting your battles with other people. The Bible says we don't fight. Our war is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers, principalities, forces of darkness. How do we fight that? With praise, with thanksgiving. I can't tell you how many times I have come to church in my life. You know, I could probably count on my hands the amount of Sundays I've missed church. And I can't tell you how many times I've come in here and I don't feel like praising. I just, in my flesh, I'm tired. In my emotions, they're all out of whack. I mean, I've, I've, I've come to church sometimes, and brother, it's good to see you. And it's not good to see him. Like... <laughs> This brother's been talking about me. This brother's been criticizing me. This brother's been blasting other people about how I'm an incompetent leader and I don't know what I'm doing. Brother, it's good to see you. Then <laughs> I got to walk down to the front and, man, if I don't, if, 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 if I only praise God when I feel like it, I will rarely ever praise God. But I say, you know what? I'm going to worship God today. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to praise. I'm going to sing. I'm going to shout. I don't dance because I'm white and I'm tall and I'm awkward. And it would just be really nasty for all of you. So I kind of do this thing every once in a while, you know. But man, if you can dance, you ought to dance. You know, go for it. If you can't dance, well, you know, just go to the back and do a little jig or whatever. But like the enemy is not going to steal my praise. That, that part of how we are victorious is, is through our praise. And Jonah begins to praise God in the belly of the fish. He's being digested by fish guts. He's, he's lunch. And he says, you saved me. You saved me. I was drowning. I had no life left. I was being taken down to the depths. And we say that too, sin had its hold on me. This world was taking me down. I cried out to Jesus and he saved me. Sometimes it might feel like I'm being eaten alive, but I know that my God is my deliverer. I know that God's gonna supply all of my needs. I know that God's gonna silence the voice of the enemy in my life. I know that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And I know that one day I'm gonna spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. And so it might not be smart and it might not look like I should be praising God, but I'm going to praise God today with everything I've got. Amen. Listen, if you will live that way in your life, you will never be defeated. You will never be defeated. So many Christians, man, I'm really just feeling inspired today. So many Christians live life defeated because they don't praise God. Praise God in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, and watch God elevate you, take you to another place, another level of victory. Well, I should wrap this up. We always have a reason to pray. 
We always have a reason to praise. We always have a reason to be thankful. I want to encourage you, church, that, that when we come in to, to, to Sunday morning, man, we come in ready to praise God. You, you know, even if you don't feel like it, that's when you need to be here. I don't feel like going to church today, you know. My boss was a jerk to me. My wife just giving me the cold shoulder all week. My kids are a disaster. I think I'm just going to watch the news and I think I'm just going to sleep in today. No wonder your week sucks. Get out of bed. Get into God's house. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. If you start doing that, your wife's not going to be cold towards you anymore. Can I get an amen from all the Christian wives in here? What, what is more attractive than a man who loves to worship God? Who's fully, yeah, fully committed to the Lord. Who's leading his family in the ways of God. Amen. Come on, women. In conclusion today, if you've been running from Jesus, stop. Call out to him. He will save you. If you've been running from God's word, he's convicted you of something in your life, stop running. Repent and watch God's blessing flow in your life. And don't be led by your feelings. Be led by your praise. David said, your praises will always be on my lips. This is an act of your will. It's something you decide to do. Decide to be a person who will fight your battles through praise, through worship, through thanksgiving, and through prayer. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that teaches us and speaks to us. Lord, let us not be a people led by emotion. Lord, let us not be a people that run from you. But let us be a people who will determine in our will that no matter what comes my way, I will not allow the enemy to steal my victory. I will not allow the enemy to steal my song. I will not allow the enemy to steal my praises because you have saved me. And Lord, we know that you have saved us and even right now you are saving us and there is a future salvation that awaits us as we wait for your return and look forward to the day when every, right, every wrong will be made right and every tear will be wiped away and every sickness and every disease and every piece of brokenness in this earth will be healed and fixed. But Lord, until that day, we determine to be a people who will sing your praises every single day in Jesus' name. Amen.